It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tydra. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. Recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. My name is Kay Wenigle and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Bucknell and Michael Steindl. Hello, Kay. Hello. Hi. For those of you who love the thought of solar panels but you either live in an apartment building or are a tenant, there's now a solution for you. Illum Energy is a company that's dedicated to extending the benefits of solar to those who previously could not access it. As a new social enterprise, Illum Energy is helping renters, low-income earners and those living in community housing to transition to solar. In one of their first projects, as a trial, they work with Aboriginal Land Council to bring solar to Indigenous communities in New South Wales. Today, to help us understand what Illum Energy does, we have Cameron Knox, the CEO of Illum Energy. Hi, Cameron, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's terrific to have you here, because there's quite a bit to go through today. Yeah, absolutely. Long <laughs> <On> list. <laughs> okay, so as I understand, there's two core parts to the Illum Energy business. One is the community housing, and the other is apartment buildings. Can we just uh, start with apartment buildings and get an overview of how that works? Yeah, sure. So apartment living is a significant and growing section of Australia's population who can't currently access solar. There's no affordable method to deliver solar to them, um, despite 73% of them living in, in low-rise apartments, so three stories or less, making them very addressable for solar. There's no solution for them. So we're trying to change that, and to do that, we've built a, a unique technology that that allows residents in an apartment block to share a single bank of solar panels on the common roof and we deliver this in a model where they don't have to pay for the installation of the system they purely pay for the power they're using off this shared system Um, so the result being they're getting cheap clean power for no upfront cost and we're really trying to do that across all our markets and reduce those barriers to entry for solar. That's really interesting. So first of all, you say that most tenants are living or low-income tenants are living in low-rise buildings at the moment. Yes, so in in apartments, so across the whole market in general, or most apartment residents, um, regardless of their income, are living in, in low-rise apartments. So that's in Australia and that makes it very addressable, obviously, okay. for solar. Do you have any trials as to how those buildings are going to function? Yeah, so we've established a trial in in Fitzroy in Melbourne um, with a very accommodating community. Um, that's really a technical trial for for our product, which has was implemented late last year and has been a great success. They've been very helpful with um, going through the process of understanding both from our side and their side how this is going to work and how we're going to roll it out across the nation. Um, 
and as you say, that that trial was a success. We've now implemented that, and we're we're moving to extend it to the rest of their their apartment block community at the moment. Okay. How about community housing, Cameron? How does that work? Um, so community housing is really where we started. Um, we saw, especially in Aboriginal communities in rural housing, there was a problem where this section of the population was really being hit hard by high utility rates. Um, and with the dropping cost of solar, solar is really a, a great option to, to reduce that. So we came up with a, a model, a financial model to extend solar to the, this section of the population whilst maintaining financial viability for their land council. So the way that works is the land council, they, they pay for the solar and they install it on all their properties in the community. And then the tenants, for no upfront cost, they, they get access to solar, but they pay for the solar they're consuming at a cheaper rate to their retail electricity rate. So about 30 to 50% cheaper than their retail electricity rate. And that gets paid back to the land council to pay off their investment. So you, they can recover their cost, even though they're only paying 30 to 50% of normal um, rates. What sort of period does it take to recover the, the investment? So for the land council, they can recover their investment in as little as eight years, um, purely because they're, they're consuming quite a lot of power there and the, and the cost of solar has dropped significantly in, in recent times. Eight years, that's a good payback. Time. Yeah, it's good, um, especially for an organisation like that. And the real benefit of, of it is for the for the customer, so the tenant, um, because obviously they're getting savings immediately, which is fantastic. And at the end of that payback period, the land council then owns the kit and they can continue providing those cheap rates to the tenants. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And then they're, they're revenue positive, so cash flow positive, so it's, it's great for them. Cameron, I, I suspect there's a good backstory to this organisation. Really curious about how, how it came about and how you came to be involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. So it, our company, we're, we're small scale, we're a startup company. We were built out of some students from the University of Melbourne, including myself. So I was really in the right place at the right time. I met these guys who were really interested in in this delivery model and, and they needed some technical help. So we, we banded up and, and started delivering with um, this community in Narromine. We got support from the New South Wales government to, to really push it along, which was So this fantastic. is as a group of undergraduate students? Uh, yes, a mixture between undergraduate and postgraduate, yeah. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we're a young crowd and I hope that gives us a, a fresh sort of outlook on the, the energy market. Absolutely. But luckily we're... We're supported by some very experienced mentors and, and advisors which can kind of provide us with that structure that perhaps a, a really inexperienced team might be lacking. And you're an engineer, which is wonderful. Yes, yes. So as I say, <laughs> I came on, on on the technical side. My role was kind of expanded from there. But that's really, yeah, where, where my wheelhouse is. But I really am passionate about the outcomes and am passionate about the delivery of clean energy. So I'm outnumbered here. We've got three engineers. <laughs> You're definitely in the right place. Yeah, good to hear. I'm in good company. So how did the name Alum come? Where did that come out of? Um, good question. Uh, I wasn't actually present when they came up with the name. I, oh. I actually did a, a diploma of French and Alum oh. in French is to switch on or switching oh. on. Um so I think it came roughly out of that, um, 
also they just like the name. But <laughs> it, it, I suppose we are switching on clean power to those who can't access it. So it, it's irrelevant in some sense. <laughs> so Illum Energy participated in the Melbourne Accelerator Program last year. Can you tell us about that program and what you got out of that? Yeah, so that program was really invaluable for our development. Um, what what it provides is a provides a, a group of mentors. It provides office space and a little bit of funding to to get startups going and to really structure them in from ideas and from perhaps pilot projects and perhaps a little bit of traction to really a proper business that's going to be impactful and grow. Um, so that's been really fantastic for. Me personally and us as a company, um, we've really managed to streamline our direction and and leverage these these mentors and this experience that they've got in their in their group who can really help um, in terms of making sure that you're on the right path to to success and ultimately for for us success means saving money for our customers. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and it's invaluable. You, you you can put an old head on new shoulders very quickly then. And yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's a really fantastic program. I'd recommend anyone who's an alumni of the of Melbourne Uni, if you have an exciting idea, I'd recommend you apply to Melbourne Accelerator Program because they can really help you um, turn it from an idea to a business. And I understand the trip overseas to Silicon Valley is... Yeah, that was that was fantastic. So as part of the Melbourne Accelerator program, the sort of finale act is you you have a trade mission over to Silicon Valley, you you get to pitch over there, you get to meet some influential people over there who's been very successful at implementing startups of all kinds. Um obviously over there is a very it's really the center of startups globally. Having said that, there's a lot of other centers um popping up including in Melbourne where we're based Um, and that really provided us a a great perspective on the mindset of a successful startup over there. Um, They really have laser point of focus, Um, they're really driven and they they understand the steps they need to to get to success Um, and they're very determined to get there. So it was was really eye-opening to understand that and to witness that firsthand because in the startup world, Silicon Valley is kind of uh, viewed as this sort of mecca, so it's nice to actually go mm-hmm. there and, and understand that it's not some fairy tale place, but it's actually just somewhere where smart people are working hard and getting stuff done. Mm. So, getting that international perspective, are there um, other similar organisations operating in other countries doing this kind of social enterprise? There are, yes. Um, specifically, a lot working in sort of African communities is is big for clean energy where they're having the same problem with the extending power through the grid. It's obviously expensive to um, extend the the distributive network out to all rural areas as we're having in Australia. Um, So there's a a lot doing that kind of thing as well. Obviously every country has different regulations and every country has different um, ways to negotiate them and ways to deliver this kind of model so they're all slightly different and they have their um, different focuses but there's a lot of people trying to do the same thing as us really the same kind of outcomes of of making clean energy affordable terrific did did, have you found that you can learn from each other at all have you been able to make contact or is that something down the track yeah absolutely so i mean purely from our trip to to silicon valley we met a lot of 
um, startups and established providers who were in our kind of space and they they gave us a really great perspective on things we needed to watch out for, things we needed to be cognizant on and things we were real opportunities for us and, and what we should focus on. Um, so that was great and obviously we'll continue to do that not just in America but in Asia and Africa and all over the world. There's, as I say, entities trying to do the same thing. So I think if we can work together then that's only going to increase our chance of success. How many projects have you done to date? Um, so we've in- implemented our project with the Narromine Aboriginal Land Council. That was our pilot for our community housing model. And uh, is that completed? Yes, yeah. So we installed on 14 properties there. Our real focus now is on the multi-dwelling market, so with apartments. Um, as we say, we have just finished our um, technical trial with an apartment block here in Fitzroy called Nicholson Gardens Apartments. Um, and now we're really ready to spread that over the entire market, so we're ready to go to market with that technology, which is really going to be our focus for the next sort of three to 12 months. Okay. And what have you learned, actually, or changed um, in accordance with what you've learned from earlier projects? Um, that's a good question. We've learned a lot about focusing what we're, what we're trying to deliver making it more clear there are difficulties when you have a a unique model and a novel model um explaining it and making your messaging very clear um that's typically been something that we've struggled with um but i think we're improving and we're really um working towards a space where we have a clear message we have a clear way that we're implementing that um and that's been a real focus for us and some of the learnings we've had initially out of the our pilot projects Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, can you explain to us about SPPA, Solar Power Purchase Agreements? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they sound fun. So <laughs> a, a PPA, is it stands for a Power Purchase Agreement. Um, so essentially what that means is instead of you purchasing solar yourself and getting the savings from consuming it, you're paying for the power you're consuming off the solar rather than the solar itself. Um, and in our case our PPA rate, so the the rate that you're paying for solar is about 30% cheaper than your retail electricity rate. Wow. Um, so you're saving money um, from, from, the, from the get-go. Um, it's, it's really our... Yeah. That's kind of our mantra. But um, eventually we want to include batteries into that so that you're not just saving money when the sun's shining, but you can save money throughout the day and throughout the night um, and that really can increase that impact of those savings um, from that cheap rate. So that's fantastic that you're doing it for apartments because that's a a screaming need I think Mm. but you don't have an Aboriginal land land council to fund the uh, purchase so how does it work in this situation? Yeah so that's a good question so you do need for apartment blocks you do need a system financier um, who owns the asset they pay for the asset and they sell the the power to the residents inside the apartment block. In our early stage, we're leveraging, in, in some cases, housing associations or um, established providers to finance that asset and get that return on their investment. Um, for some of our early projects, Aluma are actually doing that. So we, we pay for the asset and we receive the revenue from the, from the payment of the, of the power. 
Um, and long term, that's really what, what we want to get to, a situation where we can say, look, we're paying for all of this. You're just getting cheap power um, with, with the apartment block situation. That's really our goal. For those of you who have just joined us, this is the BZE Climate <coughs> excuse me, Solutions Show, and we're talking to Cameron Knox from Alum Energy, which is a social enterprise looking at providing solar solution to low-income earners. Cameron, what about the regulation that's around this sort of installation and service? Yeah, so regulations are always present and always important in the energy industry. Um, <laughs> For apartment blocks, regulations have really been a real barrier to accessing um, solar for a lot of them. Um, typically, the problem arises when you're trying to share a single bank of solar or you're trying to spread solar across a, a whole sort of community of apartments in, a, in one building. You really only have one way of doing that, and that's to create something called an embedded network. And what an embedded network means is you're installing one master meter that sits in front of all of your meters in the apartment block. So it measures the total consumption of your apartment block and then you change over all your meters to be something called orphan meters. Um, So that sounds a little bit complicated, but essentially it's the only way currently that you can share solar power where you wire the solar into that system. The problem with that is... The regulations make it very expensive um, because you're dealing with the distributive network, which is essentially you're dealing with someone's property that's not your own, um, and that causes a lot of regulatory overhead and makes it very difficult to implement. Um, so smart meters don't help? No, because you have to actually change over the smart meters <laughs> in an embedded network. So it's a, it's a very difficult process, yeah. and everyone has to sign up and... You can't opt in and opt out, so it's it's difficult to implement and it's um, it's not affordable. And I um, thought so, your model was opting in and opting out. Yes, yeah, so our our solution is different. So we've we looked at that and we thought that's that's not effective. It's impossible for oh, these I people see. With to the get smart access. Meters, it's not. Yeah, so okay. we we said okay, what we'll do is we'll create a technology that sits behind all these meters. You don't have to change any of your smart meters; they stay there, and we distribute what we call behind the meter. Um, So what that means is you're not tampering with any of the distributive network. Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't have, you're not using their their, um, property essentially, um, which makes it very low regulatory overhead. So that's the way that we've really built this is to minimize that regulatory overhead because obviously that has been a barrier in the past for this kind of implementation. So that behind the meter aspect of the technology really, really helps with that. So, Cameron, from, from your website, can see that um, energy auditing and usage education are an integral part of your process. So mm-hmm. what, how, how important are these steps and what sort of impact do they have? So for community housing, that was an extremely important part of our steps. So a lot of these houses, they're consuming a lot of electricity and it's really that combined with the high rates is really crippling in terms of their electricity bill so we saw that as an opportunity to to help them out quite easily um so simple things like lighting changes um draft exclusion um putting in blinds these kind of things can really help 
with a very non-invasive process to reduce their energy bills significantly. So what, what degree of impact could you have with those changes? So you can, you can save people, depending on obviously what they're consuming beforehand, you can save them 30% just from simple things like lighting changes and draft exclusion. So they're saving on heating costs, they're saving on cooling costs, they're saving on their lighting costs as well. And, and um, no behaviour change is required for those kinds of No, no, yeah. So Measures, yeah. Obviously, it helps if people have energy efficiency behaviour as well. So that's why we, we bring in the usage education element too. So especially when, when they get access to solar, when they're getting this cheap power during the day, we want to incentivise them or we want to educate them to take advantage of that and save as much as possible. So we tell them to sort of put your washing machine on during the day, these kind of things, which which help them save even more money on that electricity bill. So the combination of those three things can can make a significant impact. So does that mean that you could save 30% just through those um, auditing means and save another 30% on the power costs? Yes, yeah, so you can save, um, yeah, essentially a very significant amount by the combination of all these um, initiatives. Yeah, so the... the th- Three big levers that you you pull obviously are the, the energy efficiency stuff, the solar, and then the um, the the behavioural change and that um, making more energy efficiency proce- efficient processes. So by doing all of them, then you can really significantly eat away at your your electricity bill, especially if it's if it's high to begin with. So um, Alum's a social enterprise, mm-hmm. and and what do you see as being the social benefits of the program? Well, the key social benefit um, is saving money. That's really what it's all about. Um, we think the environmental out- outcome is very important as well. Um, but to get this on a larger scale and to really incentivise people to take hold of it, you have to save them money. And that's that's really what we want out of our process and that's our, I suppose, key performance indicator is how much we can save. Yeah. Yep, that's a pretty good social benefit, isn't it? (laughs) And do you also um, provide solutions for standalone houses, single tenants? Yes, so the the community housing aspect, that was with standalone housing. Um, Since then, we've really shifted to... But but Sorry to interrupt you there. Standalone housing in a community where the land council funds the whole... Yes, yes. ...system. Yeah. But in standalone housing, if I'm a single tenant... Who would fund that for me? Okay, so in that case, you'd have to set up a structure between you and your landlord. Um, so if you're a tenant, you'd essentially ask your landlord to install solar. We could facilitate that billing process. That's currently not our focus, um, but it's a it's a next step expansion for us um, where obviously there's ten- a lot of tenants who are living in standalone housing and want to save money and reduce their electricity bills and and there is a way they can do that by incentivising their landlord to, to install solar, um, and and hopefully one day we can we can facilitate that process as well. Um, at this stage, it's not our, our current focus. So who who owns Alum Energy? Um, well, we do really. Yeah, at the moment, uh, we're going through. Currently, we're going through a process of fundraising for Alum Energy as well. So that that'll allow us to bring some investors on board who will obviously take a stake and hopefully help us help us build and help us implement as we as we develop um but at the moment yeah it's a looms owned by us yeah right as a team 
And so with the um, Australian Land Council in New South Wales, tell us how you're working with them. Yeah, so working with land councils is really all about building relationships. Um, We got in contact with them through a friend we had at the New South Wales uh, Local Aboriginal Land Council. Um, He put us in touch with the Narromine Local Aboriginal Land Council who were very interested in these kind of initiatives. Um, We've been um, building a relationship with the Land Council there for a long time. It's been about an 18-month process of understanding what they need and and trying to facilitate that. Um, So in terms of expanding from there, it's all about sort of building relationships from from that network and and making sure that everyone's, one, there's there's trust in the system and they... They understand it, and we're clear about what the what the benefits and outcomes are. So you you can get um, people contacting you and saying, um, "Here's an opportunity. Could you look at it and help us out?" Yeah, absolutely, and we'd love that. Yeah, so we're we're happy to look at any opportunity with excited people who really want to get access to this. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, then you can um, go to our website and go to our contact page, which is at alumenergy.com.au. Alum. A-L-L-U-M-E. That's it, yes. Um, or you can just email us directly at info at alumenergy.com.au. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from anyone who's, who's excited about this kind of thing and we always love new ideas and, and new possibilities. Okay, well, thanks very much for your time today, Cameron. Thank you That's been me. very interesting talking to you. We've been talking to Cameron Knox from Alum Energy. And you've got the websites for more information at alumenergy.com.au. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the climate change solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and also syndicated throughout Australia on the community radio network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, go to bze.org.au and click on the podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. The demand for industrial photovoltaics. Pantidra. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Strange things I see below Cars are waiting, wind chills wiping